Hello. If you can, please give to charities for those disenfranchised in these still troubled times. An example might be the Ogre Project, which helps black trans people with food, shelter, and other means of life. Also, support the Trevor Project, a mental health hotline for LGBTQ youths in trouble. There. Uh, if you would like to see more of me, you can find me on my YouTube channel, Jeems, which is J-E-E-M-S. You can find me on my Tumblr, which is also Jeems, my TikTok, Jeems84, my Twitter, the show's Twitter is at PennyTolerable, and I'm at MyPlanetIsJ, and you can find uh, we are available on Anchor, SoundCloud, Spotify, and several other podcast platforms. Now, on with the show. Also, for another amazing podcast, check out The Video Vault with Brandon and Skyler by my friends, Brandon and Skyler. Hello everyone, my name is Jeremy Allison. Welcome to Penny Tolerable, where two large adult siblings talk about movies, TV, comics, and whatever else. We've spent a lifetime together, so you can spend some time with us. Now, who is this person next to me, this prehistoric sorceress with a whip for him? Uh, I would be, depending on the uh, version you're listening to, I am either Queen Dragon Mom or Princess Elzebub. Both really cool names. Yeah, um, can't go wrong. Uh, of the two, I gotta give it to Queen Dragon Mom, but I'm happy with either one of those. Yeah. Um, if you're wondering why I'm so jovial right now, because unlike last <laughs> unlike the uh, last episode, we're doing something good. Well, if I may, Jeremy, uh, it's our fiftieth episode, and we're doing a good movie. Yeah, I thought uh, now's the time. Uh, in Joseph Campbell's concept of uh, the monomyth and the stories that we retell throughout uh, all societies and creation, mm-hmm. uh, certain images recur: a journey to the underworld followed by a sort of a catharsis, a redemptive moment when all is lost and then all is redeemed. And uh, I feel like we've really gone through that ourselves. We had our uh, journey into the underworld where we met Dr. Michael Morbius. Oh, yes. And uh, now it's uh, we resume the quest. We step forward and achieve our golden reward. 
Jerry, what are we talking about today? We are talking about Inframan. Uh, uh, not just any Inframan. The Super Inframan. The Super Inframan. Not just any Super Inframan. The Chinese Inframan. Yeah, which it is called in some places. China, notably. Yeah. Um, which does lead to a weird moment because, like, Super Inframan, that, you know, it's like Uncanny X-Men. It's just Gilding yeah. Lily. I do like the points in uh, some versions where they say, uh, it's the Chinese Inframan, and it sounds like... It sounds like they're the regional. In, this look, is the regional Inframan. Yeah, no, exactly. It's like, look, it's the president of of France. Yeah, it's more than one. Yeah, don't, don't be so uh, don't be so egocentric. So yeah, uh, why did we pick this one? It's just one of the greatest movies in the yeah, world. Right. Oh, yeah, that, that, I get that. That's like stupid. Like, why are we talking about the Godfather today? Yeah, uh, why do we all gather here and decide to talk about wild strawberries? Okay, quality aside, why this as opposed to one of the other ten or so best movies ever made? Um, because there's, this is one of the most movie movies. Like, yeah. there is never not a thing happening on screen. Boy. Like, it's just constant. You are right, and, and I mean, that's, I half laugh at you saying that, but that, that's actually the appeal of the movie, is that. Without being overstuffed, without feeling like like stop everything, stop like jumping up and down and making noise because mm-hmm. you can like uh, oversaturate yeah. your aesthetic. This movie doesn't do that. It, it, it's like a very chill movie. It's a very fun movie, but it doesn't keep you waiting. Yeah, there there is no point in the movie where you're looking at your watch, going like, "Are there going to be monsters in this uh, yeah. monster movie?" Like. like you know, you're you're never like, man. How long has it been since they got into a fight? Yeah, it is ab it is a movie where like they keep getting to the fireworks factory in this movie, <laughs> yes. rather literally at some point. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, so yeah, in, in that sense, it is. It's extremely well paced. If that's not a bizarre thing to say about a film like this, I was never bored. Yeah, and uh, I think. Uh, we'll maybe get into what the movie is for people who are just absolutely baffled, but I'm a huge fan of Godzilla, right? Mm-hmm. Love Godzilla. Just I love Godzilla uncomplicatedly. I think even the biggest Godzilla fan has to admit that Godzilla movies don't always have that much Godzilla in them. Yeah. It's like, it's like watching porn. Like, the bit that you're after, you have <laughs> yeah. to wait just a little bit to get there. If it's just that, it's actually not as much fun anymore. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, like a lot of people, I watch like Godzilla and go, this is fun, but I wish I wish I didn't have to wait like 40 minutes for Barugan to show up. This is for the, this movie is made for the little Nathaniels of the world who would like rent a Godzilla movie and then fast forward until a monster showed up. Yeah. This is the movie where you don't have to fast forward. There's maybe more than are strictly needed for the plot. <laughs> uh, but anyways, let's, uh, let's talk about this movie, which is the filmic equivalent of getting a bunch of your muscle or Kaniku man toys and just throwing them in a big sandcastle. Yeah. Um, well, the version I watched was presented by Celestial Pictures. Okay. And, uh, of course, the movie has a very... 
almost Xanadu like opening. Yeah. Well, I, I think we should do the play by play, but let's let's just take three seconds for people who don't know what this is. This is a martial arts mm-hmm. superhero. I what they I'll look up the term, but I won't slow us down. I'll be like. Tokatsu, or there's like a name for like Cayman Rider, Power yeah. Rangers, like that genre. The Shaw Brothers, the greatest filmmakers of all time, mm-hmm. noticed that this was becoming a popular genre uh, in a lot of Asian countries. So they went, oh, we can do that better than anyone. And as usual, they were right. Yeah. And so they made this movie, which is about uh, a horde of monsters attack the earth. And it's up to one, one man. One inframan. One Chinese super inframan. With a dream, who tries to stop them, mm-hmm. and he goes about doing so for the next eighty-five minutes. You're caught up. Yeah, but uh, it's interesting because, like a lot of these movies, you can tell time and money went into it. Like maybe time is a weird word, but like what little time and what little money they had. They used it like every goddamn bit of it. At no point does this movie seem like cheap or stupid or rushed. Yeah. Yeah. Like with all the love in the world, we like this the Street Fighter movies. Yeah. Uh those occasionally look like movies like did, did they have a permit for that scene? Yeah, very much no, so. There, there is not a moment of this movie that's that looks like cheap or unfinished or or anything or like you know, if you if you if the monsters look fake, it's because they look fake. It's not because yeah. they usually look good, but they forgot to zip up the costume in this one shot. Yeah, this is not like a dolomite like the boom mic hits Inframan on the head. This is a classy operation here. <laughs> yeah, it's just that it's also about seventeen monsters fighting a red guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we we get introduced to Inframan's. Well, uh, his real name is Rayma. And uh, he's a, he's part of like a strike force that defends Earth, and uh, the way I described them was they're like the Thunderbirds only without cars. <laughs> so they're just the guides. Yeah, just kind of the guides. Hey, wait, what what we got uniforms? We've got clearance. What <laughs> yeah. else do we need? And, so so these these gaudy puppet nation shows will try and bring in vehicles. We don't need any toys to please a woman, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's not the Inframan way. <laughs> and, you know, out of uh, Mount Devil, <laughs> famous mountain in China. Why, Mount why, did Devil. We, why did we call it that? God damn it. <laughs> uh, sprouts um, Princess Dragon Mom. And she is a, she is, there's a lot to unpack here. She is a flippity floppity (laughs) dragon who changes into a sexy blonde lady with a whip for a hand and dragon fins around her boobs. Yeah, they don't stick like, it's like a tank girl thing. They're not curving towards you. Yeah. But she essentially has like horns or like gilded eyebrows for yeah. a breastplate which <laughs> do you think they let the actress keep that i hope so and then yeah like her i think it's her right hand it is the head of a dragon it's either an ornate glove or she's it's yeah. part of her it's the her dragon head from her dragon form and then a very long whip which i guess is meant to be her tongue uh, yeah, their dragon form is just, 
doesn't drive. He looks like Ray uh, Rodan or something. Mm. Um, yeah, so the implication is the very first thing we see in the movie is some kids going on a uh, like a field trip. Mm. And then uh, there's suddenly an earthquake. And this, like, the amount of time the film takes yeah. to impart that information to you is literally less time than it took me to tell you it. Yes. Like, this is how quick it gets to it. The, the road starts to, like, crack, and there's a bit of an earthquake. And then uh, it happens so quickly, but it's meant to be Queen Dragon Mom. Yeah. She swoops down in her dragon form, and it's not that she alights onto the pavement in front of them. It's that the... Like, the, the suit with no one in it yeah, just lands there. So <laughs> yeah. it looks like somebody in a second-story building was disposing of a used dragon costume. <laughs> yeah. I won't be needing this. Don't throw your garbage down there. <laughs> yeah. So it looked like it looks is like a used, it's... Is a used dragon costume ever really garbage? <laughs> it looks like it was on top of the bus, like strapped down like a surfboard <laughs> or a mattress, and like they stopped too suddenly, and it flopped down in front of them. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, then she appears. Uh, the backstory here is that like they are prehistoric species. Like she yeah. was the evolved form of dinosaurs, but... They went into hiding during the Ice Age, but now the Earth is heated enough for them to return. Yeah. So weird. she should team up with, like, Dennis Hopper, Koopa. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, and then, uh, how, how does, uh, how, oh, God bless you, uh, Wikipedia. It lets us know that her alternate name, Princess Elzebub, is a play on Beelzebub. Wow, really? And smart Smart fans will get that one. Rick and Morty fans will get that one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And we have Professor Cheng who uh, is essentially one of the scientific head. He is the scientific head of this uh, whole operation. And there's a scene where they say, uh, we know very little about Princess Dragon Mom, so we're go going to hand the chair over <laughs> to Professor Cheng, and uh, he can say what he knows. Thank you. I know very little about what is going on here, but it's just literally like, <laughs> did you clear any of this? Like, uh, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, and th the names are going to be all over the place because there's like a dub and then two different subtitled versions. Yeah. So, fortunately, outside of like Inframat and Queen Dragon Mom, like the names are largely descriptive. I don't think you'll have trouble telling which mutant we're talking about <laughs> yeah. when we get to them. But uh, apparently, in the, the literal translation, the place where all the scientists and the Thunderbirds guys work. Yeah. Is, uh, you ready for the name of this this uh, lab? Oh, God, yes. Science Headquarters. <laughs> Hi, I'm Bob Executive. Which way to business? Yeah. Hi, I'm Bob Doctor. Which way to science? And, uh, yeah, she... He essentially says what very little he knows. Yeah. And, uh... There are a lot of cuts back to uh, Mount Devil, where uh, we see that uh, among the many people who hang around with uh, uh, Princess Dragon Mom, there's the equally pretty She-Demon, also known as Witch-Eyes, I yep. think, in one version. Um, Her whole stick, she's pretty, pretty normal-looking gal. Mm-hmm. Got eyes on your hands. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, along with the Bone Thugs from the uh, <laughs> MST revival, 
<laughs> Thank you very much to Joel Hodgson yeah. well, for that's, wait, that movie. Yeah, that needs to be addressed at some point. The MST uh, revival of uh, the Netflix series is very heavily indebted to this. Yes. Well, I think Joel once described uh, Kinga as being Lucille Ball's head on Queen Dragon Mom's body. <laughs> was like, and also the personalities. It's more or less <laughs> yeah. the mix of them. And then I think the only difference is the Bone Thugs have like... Horns, like, basically. Yeah, the, the, in uh, Inframan they have horns. Like pretty standard mm-hmm. demon-looking horns. Uh, or like Minotaur horns. Whereas the Bone Thugs from MST, they have like the rounded edge, like a like a femur. Yeah. Like, besides that, it, it is like actionable how close it is. Yeah. So I'm glad that uh, they do. It's just a straight up homage, let's say. And uh, she has her peculiar uh, monsters, <laughs> which is just really weird. Like even for these well, types of movies. Uh, there's Shaggy Egg Dude, which I liked. He's oh. it's a shell. It's an egg that just drops down, busts open, and this shaggy, like kind of like long, long gray shaggy hair and a red bodysuit just comes out and just starts dancing. Looks kind of like a Bill Hader. Character. Oh yeah, like the way he, it's like when Bill Hader's doing is like, ha, 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 oh man, you leave me the oh yeah, yeah, like. His kind of like white Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah. that he slips into. He, he definitely has those like <laughs> invisible DJ. A little bit of Noel Fielding in yeah. there. Just. Not to, yeah, yeah. Not to cut you off there, but we end up facing each of the monsters in turn. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can address them like. Because the plot synopsis for this is just going to be like a series of showdowns between Inframan. At uh, the monsters. So, I don't know if we need to start with, like, the robot roll call here, but... Yeah, Dragon Mom awakens her entire force of... It's, like, more than six and less than twelve hench demons. <laughs> yeah. Not counting the bone thugs. Mm-hmm. And, uh... They are, they are so jazzed. Oh, yeah. Like, they... they, they it's like, they just made it to the Super Bowl. It's like... <laughs> Like, everybody's, like, dance, And it's, like, kind of monster acting of, like, you can't just be standing there. Doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. If you're just doing, like, mummy hands, you got to be moving, though. Yeah, we've talked about this in other episodes. The monster dances. Yeah. <laughs> How cool those are. And so the monsters... The, all the monsters, and that's not sort of just, like, a sexy dame because, like, the motor's always kind of going. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's... At no point are you going to, like, look into, like, the corner third of one of these shots and not see a monster, like, shooting you fingers, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but anyway, she gets them together. She starts sending them out uh, one by one. There's a weird process where they're all, like, lined up in the ice cavern. Yeah. And she tells Witch Eye, like, summon the drill mutant and the plant monster. And they step into, like, a phaser thing. It's kind of a cute yeah. effect. They, they disappear from one area as they reappear in her chamber. So it's like mm-hmm. they're getting faxed over. Yeah. That never happens again. That's the only time they ever have to be like teleported from one room to another. Because after mm-hmm. that, they're just they're just like there. They're just hanging yeah. around. And it's shown that the ice chamber is like seven feet away from the throne room. Yeah. So it's just, hey, drill mutant, get in here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And the, the, the best part about the version that I watched was that the monsters talk. And when I say the monsters talk, I mean they're all Bluto. <laughs> it's honestly just a gang of Blutos. Just, I got her. I got in for my first dragon. What do you want me to do with them? I want to kill him. You want to kill him? Yeah, let's kill him. I'll get, I'll get the best to you now. You've wasted my power. Uh, it's fudged to whale. That's what I'd fudge to do. And so he uses ice blast against you. Um, yeah, in the normal version, most of the monsters talk, but it's in the very, like, I, I apologize for doing gibberish, but it's it's like like that yeah. that sort of like intonation where it's clearly like an eighty year old voice actor. Yeah. Um, so they all do. They all have like that only actual language, not a white idiot doing nonsense syllables. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but they usually don't like huh, come here. Oh no! Oh, you got me. Oh. Let's see how tough you really are. Uh, uh, ropey dopey, one, two, three. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just them appearing and you're like, now you face my fire powers. And they kind of silently fight, maybe grunt here or there. Yeah. Um, so she sends them out to cause some trouble. Uh, it's weird. The, the main professor, you can tell that he's the head of Science Corporation because he has a beard. Yeah, and a bad rug. Yeah, that was like... So it's uh, Professor Liu. Uh, I'm sure there's like five different versions of the character's name, but I'm, I'm just going by Wikipedia mm-hmm. here. Professor Liu, he takes uh, Rayma, or Lema, the Inframan, mm-hmm. down into the basement, and he says, I've been working on something. I have a process that will turn you into the Super Inframan. Uh, we were preparing for just such a day, apparently. Mm-hmm. And then uh, how, how does the Inframan transformation work? Well... Uh, they say that the process. They say that the process is like the suffering of hell. Uh, that's how he describes it. But it seems breezy, and it it's essentially the Weapon X process. Like you you like go inside and you replace muscles and bones with stuff, and it's all it's kind of phased in. I'm saying this because it's literally just a cartoon robot blinking over this noodly actor's body yeah. and him just kind of going uh, uh, uh. well do you remember uh, maybe this is old school but like older play sets from like you know the like the 80s yeah. and 90s the goal it's not that like they would like put everything in there but everything would be filled out with decals yeah. So there would be like a flat surface, but then you would put a sticker on the wall and the sticker would be yeah. Cerebro or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's what this looks like. It looks like they had like a flat two-dimensional like uh, x-ray of what the Inframan looks like. Mm-hmm. And then as you say, it's just like, let's just put that like a sticker over his face. Yeah. And uh, I, I've seen the, uh, the film technique where they animate on top of film. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it looks kind of cheesy and dated, and sometimes it looks cool, like the you know the demons from Conan the Barbarian that appear yeah. out of the the dust storm. Uh, but that that's like an old old process. This isn't quite the same as just like animating, like lightning blasts or whatever on yeah. film. But it's uh, it's just like hey, here here's here's what he looks like. You guys buying that? Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, yeah, the 
So he goes through the torments of hell, and uh, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad they make it like kind of a a process. Like he has to prove that he's tough enough. Yeah. Because after that, uh, being the super inframan looks super fun and easy, and at no real point for the rest of the movie does he ever seem like he's in any real danger. Yeah. So the the fact that it's a it's a bit of a hassle to become the inframan, I'm like, you know what? That's fair because I feel like the rewards uh, yeah. are commensurate. Uh, but anyways, uh, he's barely become the inframan where he. Starts wrecking up the lab, not even out of anger, like a Frankenstein thing. He just, yeah. he's just like, huh, look how strong I am. And he picks up like a railing and breaks it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And, you know, waiting for Professor Lou to go like, well, thanks, asshole. Now we're not OSHA compliant anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in any case, he has barely become the, uh, the titular inframan before Plant Demon shows up. Mm-hmm. And start to reckon up the lab. Uh, what can plant monster do? Well, he can grow his vines out and use them as tentacles and just throw people around. And one guy gets electrocuted when he's thrown into an electrical thing. And another guy falls and rips his pants. And they keep it in the movie. <laughs> Wait, was that, is that like an accident? Or? No, that's... that's the joke is just like, oh, I ripped my pants. Like no, a, it's like... Like he, a Sammo hunk thing. Like he falls backwards and like the very seat rips. The very seat. The very seat of power. <laughs> the very seat of this. No, it's just, I meant like just the seat. Rips a little and you can see his BVDs underneath. And it just cuts. It's like no, no second take. And then barely. Hey, no, no, no second pair of pants, buddy. Nah. Fuck you. That was... You get paid after the shoot. <laughs> Verily, the tidiest of whiteies appear. <laughs> um... So, uh, Plant Monster is uh, pretty fun. He's made out of, like, vines and stuff. He... Did you get... <coughs> did you get, like, an Oogie Boogie vibe from him? I did. The mouth. Yeah, because it's, like, molded rubber. He's kind of that, like, sickly green color. And the face, in particular... Imagine, like... If, uh... It's the keto version of uh, Oogie Boogie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just kind of like he got in shape, he's got like upper body mass and everything, but it's still kind of oogie boogie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, he has interesting powers. He can sink into the earth and reappear other places, which for a plant guy, I get. Yeah. The fun thing is, in order to create that special effect, they have him come out of a fake floor that's made out of like cheap rubber or something mm-hmm. and split it open, and then they just play that in reverse. Yeah. That does mean that when he leaves a room, it is immaculate. There's yeah. not like a cry, like, oh, like, shouldn't the concrete look cracked open, like when dandelions pop out of it? It's like, no, like, he had like a little tentacle comes out with like a broom, and yeah. he just sweeps away every <coughs> little bit of dust, pats it in, and tucks himself away. He's a nice guy to have for parties, like, yeah. hey, don't worry, I'll clean up after. Yeah, and so... Right as he's about to cause some real damage, uh, uh, he's basically just appearing as an ent at this point, but uh, Inframan uses his x-ray vision and realizes that, does he see his heart? Yeah, he sees okay. his heart. So I, I like how Inframan is like, you know, <coughs> one of those superheroes who's ready to do a heart rip. Yeah. If uh, called upon. He blasts open the uh, the giant, uh, the tree form, and it just shrinks Plant Guy back down to normal. 
They do a bit of fights. Here's where I'll pause and mention that everybody in this movie is uh, wearing a ridiculous, like, 300 pounds of foam rubber. Yeah. And, of course, they all still move, like, gently. Yeah. Because, like, like, the worst fight scene in this is better than the best fight scene in Shang-Chi. Yeah, like, jet... Uh, uh... For instance, Inframan's head is fucking huge for his body. It is, <laughs> it is just, just got back from Mardi Gras. Yeah, and it is like noticeably distractingly bigger than it should be. Yeah. It's not just like he's wearing a helmet. It's it's like he is like in disguise, so he put a fake head over a bike helmet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh <laughs> We, by the way, I guess we'll talk about some of his powers as we go, but they largely just consist of either his feet catch on fire and he kicks, or he punches you. And he has a series of darts that he can never seem to decrease in number. Yeah. He just pulls them out of a little bandolier in a V-shape in his chest, pointing tastefully towards his genitals, but he'll just whip them out and they're basically firebombs. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh... There's a... After he turns into Inframan, he is much more loud and destructive than <laughs> he was in his previous form of just Raymond the Noodly guy. Uh-huh. And uh, this is interesting. People apparently know about him instantly. Yeah, so when he shows up on the scene, everybody goes, Oh, thank God, it's Inframan. <laughs> it's like, is Inframan a known quantity? Did Professor Liu let everybody else at science headquarters know, like, Hey, go ahead, come down to the basement. I want to show you something. You're going to put a robot inside of a dude. Yeah. It's just like Krieger showing off his rush map. Yeah. Like, I'm working on some really weird shit downstairs. And then, like, Rayma was, like, the last hire. So he, he was the only guy who didn't know about Inframan. Maybe there was, like, a big publicity blitzkrieg about uh, Inframan, like, yeah. Inframan's coming, hey man, like, yeah. like he's in, dropped in the, in the new Fortnite, he's, he's a skin in the oh, new yeah, Fortnite. You, you, have, you have to uh, have played Fortnite to get the message that the Inframan, it's Inframan, he returned somehow. <laughs> yeah. So, it, but it's not beyond the pale that maybe Professor Liu, like, in between creating him and sending him upstairs, mm-hmm. maybe Professor Liu got on his socials. Yeah. You know, he had a media blitz prepared. Dude, drop him dope superhero. Yeah. So. <laughs> He's mash coming. That, okay, mash that like button with, with your tentacle hand. <laughs> with your dialing wand. Uh, so, yeah, he shows up. We get a nice fight. They kind of uh, tussle with each other. They run to the forest. Uh... Plant guy can either teleport or, like, merge with a... I think what they're going for is that he can, like, merge with a tree. Yeah. And reappear from any other form of plant life. Like, what's her name from Vampire Hunter D. Bloodlust? Uh, Yes, yes. Uh, But in in practice, it just means that he's just, like, mill-housing around the screen. (laughs) Am I here? Or am I over here, my friend? (laughs) You know, I don't think he talks, but if Plant Guy did, that needs to be his dub voice. Hey, Inframan! Um, so, uh, he, but he's our, our first fatality, and there's, like, a weird sense of tension because Inframan will, like, shoot somebody and they'll just disappear. Yeah. And so whenever that happens, I have a moment where I go, did he, did he kill them? Yeah. Is, is that how I know somebody's dead? Like, they disappear? It's like, no, if they disappear, it means they teleported. 
if they burst into flames, that means that Inframan took care of yes. it. Yes. So yeah, Inframan, uh, he does the job. He takes care of Plant Guy. Queen Dragon Mom realizes that she might have to, to send out uh, her other goofballs. And so uh, I... I forget it. Who's next up on the chopping block? Oh, I can't even remember. I believe, I, okay, I believe it's uh, next up is Spider Monster and uh, your guy Long Haired Monster. Mm-hmm. Wavy Grady. Yeah. When, here, here's the all the other monsters are gonna make sense. So it's like Dragon Guy, Spider Guy, Drill Mutant. You're not you're gonna you're not gonna mistake like Plant Guy for Spider Guy in this movie. Yeah. The long-haired guy, I guess long-haired guy does it, but he's the weird one where you're like, he's he's like a hair-bearer bunch, but he's also like a ninja, but he's also a witch, but he's also the Riddler. <laughs> like, yeah. he, given that he has, proportionally, he has the least screen time of any of the yes. monsters, it's very clearly like, okay, this is where you get your bag, your, your monster sag card. Yeah. You got 30 seconds to leave an impression. It's like, I've been working on this. <laughs> and, and he just jumps around and oh, like, shoots yeah. optic blasts. So <laughs> apparently optic blasts. Uh, I don't yeah, know where right. his eyes are. From what might be his eyes. So he's kind of the cavalry. Uh uh Spider Monster, uh and <clears throat> let's just let's just call him Ungoliant. Yeah. Uh Ungoliant and a couple of the bone thugs are sent to stop like a power plant or just attack the headquarters again. I think yeah. so. And uh, it's at this point that we see that the spider guy has the ability to grow very large. Mm-hmm. So this goes from just being a uh, kind of uh, tokusatsu is the term. It goes from being a standard tokusatsu to being a kaiju movie for a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. He gets very large. What's Ultra? What's Inframan going to do about that? He's going to get large too. Yeah, it's never mentioned before or since, but he has embiggening powers when uh, the need arises. So, uh... It's a perfectly cromulent word, you can say that. Yeah, thank you. It's just Simpsons references. <laughs> I had no sense of humor of my own. I just quoted, like, the Bible. Um, but yeah, so... He's a big, fat, red spider guy. He spits out... It's funny, he spits out webs. Which, like everything else in the movie, sometimes the webs catch on fire. Yeah. Like, every, every single projectile in this movie was thrown by Master Shake. Like, they all catch on fire <laughs> yeah. at some point. And then if you get hit by the webs, you end up being in a big circle, like a mesh cage. Yeah. So at least it's not touching me. I'm just trapped inside of it. Uh, they have a big old fight. Um, he gets big. And then when he beats up the spider guy, he gets small again. Yeah. And how does he get rid of him then? He steps on him. He yeah. squishes him. He makes like a little green stuff comes out. And he makes like a gross squealing noise. Uh, yeah. That's a satisfying way. But then... Which could have been used for a uh, stomping uh, fetish video. But, you know, who's to say? Yeah. Could have uh, thrown that in. Why, why he can't be wearing high heels. <laughs> so, who is to say, but as this is happening, while he's taking care of Spider Monster, the normal-sized Thunderbirds guys have to fight off some bone thugs. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're riding around on their Megaforce motorcycles. Yeah. Uh, Inframan shows up in time to help, but then your guy shows up. And I, he's your favorite, so 
I mean, what, what do you want to tell me about uh, Red Hair Jamboree Monster? Yeah, uh, it's at this point, it's uh, near a lake. I shouldn't say that. Um, and Wavy Gravy shows up and just teleporting around at an annoying rate. Yeah, that's he has a limited repertoire, but man, is he annoying. It, it really is like, if you played a game where one of the bosses can teleport and has object blasts, and it was programmed by someone who is not good at programming games. Yeah. This is what it would look like and feel like. It's just constant. Yeah. yeah. And though it looks like a scene from like Hard Day's Night where like people move while they're standing still. <laughs> yeah, the know? pixelation. Yeah. So he just kind of bounces all around the screen. Uh, he has a... He has a laugh which I think has the potential to get annoying. Because all the monsters have a laugh, I suppose, but he's the one who shows up and just, Abracadabra, motherfucker. I didn't get that in my version. No, you know, no he, he has like a kind of like haunting, like, because like he, he's, he's meant to be like, a, like an Oni or something. Mm -hmm. Like all joking aside, he's meant to be like, so like a creepy like spirit demon. So they give him like a slightly ethereal laugh. Um, in my version, he sounded kind of like Cousin It, only like, like more threatening. Yeah, maybe that's not maybe that's not that far from what I'm describing. Let's keep doing this. This is golden audio. Yeah. But uh, oh, and then but then he uh, takes uh, a big hit from a ball and it's like, yeah. and then he goes down on a guy. And, it's like, and then what else does he do? Yeah. And then he rushes the Halloween season. And goes Haru, Haru. Weirdly enough, the scene where this fight takes place is basically the uh, rushing the Halloween season. <laughs> yeah. The canyon from Track of the Moon Beast. But he... This is the rule. The cooler the henchmen, the quicker they have to go out. Yeah, because uh, Inframan throws him into the water. Yeah. And he doesn't just get wet. He blows the fuck up. Yeah, now let's, let's address this. So they're like fighting by kind of a shallow lake. Inframan throws him in the, the bad guy, the monster actor, just does like an awesome midair spin, so it looks like a jackass forever when they like go out of the cannon. Yeah. Like he gets some air. He pops his head up, like Legend of Zelda style. He pops mm -hmm. his head up. And then uh, Inframan shoots him, and there is... Now, I'm used to everything in this movie just like going up in fireworks. Yeah. Did they know how big the explosive? I don't. Th I don't think. I don't think they did. I, I honestly think it was like the blood hose yeah. in that Kurosawa movie, yeah, it's where it's just a geyser and yes, in zero. It's like, oh, I think we may have made this four to twelve times more powerful <laughs> than we meant to. So yeah, because everything else just like just like catches on fire and melts. Uh, this day, he pops his head out for just a second. Inframan blasts him like space goes. It is a space ghost takeout. Yeah. Actually. He just annihilates him, and it's... Okay. The the largest explosions ever filmed, I think it goes the one at the end of Spectre, yeah. and then this one. Because yeah. I know that broke the record. I think this was the previous record holder for the largest controlled explosion. Apparently the red guy's like nude body stocking 
was made out of a rare form of C4 that only <laughs> activates when it gets wet. <laughs> so that, like, this is like when I went to that ghost concert and I was 20 rows back and I could still, like, feel the heat on my face when they did the, the flame jets. <laughs> yeah. I felt that, but watching TV. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyways, uh, but we're, like, halfway through the monsters now. Like, this is not going well for Queen Dragon Mom. Yeah. But she has an ace up her sleeve. She brainwashes this guy. Yeah. According she, to the, the name is a Zhu Ming. I'm afraid I uh, didn't catch that during the movie. He's just the, the Benedict Arnold of science guys. Yeah. He's she says, uh, we must brainwash him. Take him to the dispensary. And it, it just sounds like they're going to hook him up with some sweet yeah. weed. <laughs> It's like, oh, dude, it's a wreck now. The lines are going to be way too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyways, uh, they kidnap Zhu Ming, and before you know it, they're Zhu Ming back to her headquarters to put him through some sort of weird... Oh, uh... well, I guess in this case it actually is a Manchurian candidate situation. <laughs> the title checks out for once. Uh, so in any case, he becomes like... They're inside man. I feel bad for the guy. It's, yeah, I do. There's yeah. no suggestion that he's like, he's like they picked him because he was evil. I think he was just the yeah. link in the chain. Hard, yeah, I feel really bad for this character. Like, I had to stop the movie. <laughs> but, uh, in any case, he becomes their inside man. Uh, doesn't greatly affect the outcome of the plot. No, no, to it doesn't. He just, he occasionally, like, Ushers in the monsters through the back door like he was sneaking them into the green room. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, <laughs> uh, with all respect to Zoom Bang, he's not why we're here. We've done Spider Monster, we've done Plant Monster, um, we've done Long Haired Monster. Let's talk for a minute about uh, Drill Mutant. Ah, uh, yes. And I got a sneeze, so what can you tell me about Drill Mutant? <laughs> Drill Mutant is insane. One of his hands is like a cl- like claspy yeah. uh, pincer kind if, of. If like if a shovel had a, if like a mitten was made out of shovels. Yeah. So it's like a big shovel with a smaller shovel to get mm-hmm. some grip. And the other one is your standard drill bit. It's just yeah. a drill. And then he has kind of a what he reminded me of, and I I'm gonna sound like a five year old because I'm comparing everything in this movie to toys. Watch this movie. Oh, yes. This is a movie where the director threw toys at each other. They just have to be human actors inside of them. <laughs> okay, but he made me think of uh, the Clayface from the old Batman, the animated series. Yeah. And the toy version, one of the hands was like a mace, and the other was when he turns his hands like metal. Yeah. That's more or less Drill Mutant. He has Clayface's build, so like... The, the, like, trapezoids that go up to above his ears. So mm-hmm. he just has, like, a pyramid head. He always has his mouth kind of open like that. Yeah. Very, very clay except with the weird touch. Clayface just sort of has, like, the golem-esque body. Mm-hmm. This guy just, the legs just taper. It's like, mm-hmm. the, like, the Tracy Morgan, or Tracy Jordan, when he runs out of white lady makeup, so they give him a monster hand. Yeah. This is like they ran out of monster clothes, so it's like, shit. Do you own a pair of cowboy boots? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because you have this horrible like 
booger looking monster. But then below the knees, he's just wearing his fuck me boots. Some of the drill monster. Drill mutant. Drill mutants. Okay, I feel like Hair Monster is like maybe the most fun. He's he's like the coolest because he like jumps around and is a nut. Yeah. As far as their actual role in the movie, I think Drill Mutant might be my favorite. Yeah. You know, it's it's like when you realize like, oh, Zorak might actually be even funnier than Brack, <laughs> just because there's <laughs> a little more there there. Uh, Drill Mutant's kind of her right hand man, right? Uh, yeah, basically. And <laughs> usually, like the process will be, she summons a monster, they go out, and they get punked by Enfermon. Mm-hmm. Drill Mutant kind of hangs around for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it's like how in Big Trouble in Little China, uh, apparently the reason Thunder has so much screen time is because of the three storms. Uh, his English was the best. Yeah. They could use him for like exposition scenes. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, with all the love in the world, apparently the guy who played Lightning uh, did not have the same language skills. So they were like, don't worry about talking. Just be a badass at the end. Yeah. My theory is that the same thing happened here. Like, they brought in all these monsters. They had, like, a kind of, like, a cattle call. Mm-hmm. They brought in these monsters, and sadly, this was 1975. We know how hiring practices work. Most of these monsters wound up on the casting couch with Runway Shaw. But eventually, that's not to say they're not talented, though. I'm not, I'm not saying that Drill Mutant slept his way to the top. I'm just saying he did what he had to do to get the role. So anyways, Drill Mutant uh, talks more than pretty much all the other monsters combined. <laughs> he talks more than everyone combined. Yeah, yeah you got a point. For Drill, you mentioned like the Bluto thing. Drill Mutant's Popeye, though, it's just like, huh, okay, gotta get to work. What do we got over here? Okay, what do they do? <laughs> so yeah, Drill Mutant and all of, all of the monsters are go-getters, but Drill Mutant is the most put-me-in coach. Yeah. Out of it's just like, oh, like please let me fight in for Matt. God, I hate that guy. Like <laughs> just let me at him, Queen Dragon Moth. Like Which by the way, uh I, this uh, I, this is like generalizing, I don't think it's like racist or anything, but that's a recurring theme in a lot of uh uh Asian properties like Japanese anime, like Wuxia. When you have a stable of bad guys, there tends to be the one who's always like like Allow me to demonstrate my technique. Like, I've been waiting for this day. Like Yeah, the they, guy who, it, like, really brings the shit. Yeah, like, their whole personality is like, oh, Jotaro, I've been waiting for this moment. Like, yeah. oh, like, I actually, uh, you know, faked losing earlier so I could learn your moves, but now I'm here for the rematch. Yeah. And even the hero is like, calm down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that's Drill Mutant. Like every everybody is like on point, but Drill Mutant's the like fuck spread out and around me first. <laughs> yeah. So weirdly enough, this means he's also the only one that really interacts with humans. Yeah. Because it's not that weird when like a bunch of Bone Thugs are there and like they're hanging out with the other Bone Thugs. But when Drill Mutant just goes up to a guy and goes like, hey, oh, it's Inframad, hide, and there's just like two guys next to him. <laughs> yeah. like, Is he a good boss? Like, <laughs> does he smell? <laughs> uh, I want to hear more about the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern that are helping out uh, Drill Mutant. 
But anyways, uh, what, what's his plot? Uh, Drillman? Yeah, I mean, like, how does he figure into this? Uh, I can't even remember. <laughs> Was it later? I think it's later on. There is some stuff that I want to get to. Okay. Uh, Sorry, I've been talking for a minute. Yeah, there's... <laughs> um, Inframan's uh, nephews and nieces who are... First off, his niece and nephew are widely different ages. Like, one is nine and the other's 27. It's just... And there's the niece, she says, I'm going to be strong when I grow up. I'm going to be the infra girl. And I th- her, her name, I heard it is Charlo, but I know it isn't. It's Charo. Gucci Gucci. <laughs> it's uh, probably just a Chinese name. But uh, it's funny because she's talking to her uh Mom, aunt, n- never really made clear. And his, her mom, aunt, says, uh, you know, to be Inframan, you have to go through a great struggle and great pain. Uh, do you think you're ready for that? Yes, I do. I don't care what it takes. I want to be Infragirl, the strongest girl in the world. And the aunt says, oh, that's wonderful. And the little girl runs off, and there is a look on the woman's face of, like, it's like when you find out your kid has, like, a, a, a disease or, like, a syndrome of, like, God, this, this poor kid. Like, and, I have to deal with this. Like, now. I have to deal with this now. And it's weird because, it's like, I don't think she's actually going to become the Infragirl. No, I mean, that might that might be a heavy reading of it, but I can't what you imagine her going, like, I want to grow up to be Infragirl, and it was, like, if you told your dad, like, I'm dropping out of law school to join the Upright Citizens Brigade. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, I'm sure it probably be like, Shh, you don't want it as a fallback? <laughs> like, but, who knows? In the job market 20 years from now, Infragirl might be a booming trade. But, like, it, you know, it, it doesn't hurt to have that nursing degree to fall back on. Yeah. Uh, Inframan is continuously getting new weapons like the Thunderbolt fists, <laughs> which can destroy this, which can destroy Diamond, and he's got, like, the the blades, those are the things that come out of his hands. Okay. The energy blades, yeah. and he's got the uh, fire, the flamethrower heels, which is just flying at a guy feet first, fiery feet. It's, it's insane. And there's a, there's an interesting scene where uh, Professor Chang is talking to his daughter, and uh, you know they're just talking about Inframan and Princess Dragon Mom, and what could happen to this world. And it's like a genuinely interesting scene of like two actors acting yeah. against each other. It, it's it's, like, it's not badly done. I think it stands out just because there's like not a monster in the scene. It's the first yeah. time in like forty five minutes where. You have two actors, and one of them isn't sweating themselves to death under a layer of latex. <laughs> and Cheng says, well, I'm going to go back to my laboratory. I have lots of work to do. And she says, okay. And uh, she's kind of looking around, and she, she, I'm not lying. She picks up a book that says, just says Jekyll and Hyde. 
It just, Wait, it does? Yeah. Oh, we got we got different editions then. Oh, we could go on, go on. It's a book that says Jekyll and Hyde. And she just starts laughing like it's a comedy. Like I just imagine her picking up Jekyll and Hyde and laughing, going, gay. <laughs> Look at this loser, can't even control his emotions. <laughs> ah, he walked on that kid. <laughs> no, okay, so this might legitimately be a different cut, and I have no idea why, but in this case, uh, the professor goes off to work. She's left uh, uh, in uh, kind of mind her own business. So she goes over to a desk and pulls out... It's a big book. It's like when they used to do, like, the like the Earth Catalog. Yeah. Like those huge newsprint books from the 70s, which these days outside of art books, nothing is that yeah. big. She goes... She pulls out this book that has a picture of Baphomet on the cover. <laughs> and I, free, I froze frame it. Because <laughs> uh, I was like, what the fuck is she reading? I paused it. And it's uh, Dennis Wheatley's The Devil and All His Works. His nonfiction treaties on uh, <laughs> uh, Satanism throughout the ages. It was published in the late seventies. It, it's so weird because, like, given given the era, like that was popular enough. Like yeah. Satanism was something was was being discussed, but it'd be like, oh, I've got a lot of work to do. Uh, May May uh, or uh, Lynn, you just stay here and read this copy of Dianetics, okay, Grandma? <laughs> uh, sweetie, you just stay here and read numerology. Uh, I'll be back in a minute. Uh, here, busy yourself with this copy of the Turner Diaries. <laughs> uh oh, honey, it's going to be a late night. You can go ahead and finish Helter Skelter by the time I tell you. What I'm... It's. I mean, did the Satanic Panic was that like all around the world or just U.S.? I don't. I mean, but Wheatley was uh, an English guy, and so and the book was apparently a bestseller. And Dennis Wheatley, a weird guy, because he's one of those guys who was like a good writer. And was also, like, so right-wing that he, like, lost his mind. So, I'm not here to, like, defend, you know, like, Pol Pot or Stalin or whatever, but Wheatley literally, literally believed that communism and socialism were the actual work of Satan himself. Mm -hmm. And when you read his stances, it's like, oh, well, Bolshevism leads people to attack their betters. You're like, oh, you would have loved Elon Musk, but, <laughs> but anyways. But yeah, and he's the author of The Devil Rides Out, which, you know, they made. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, like, so that's very much his style. He did, that's kind of his thing. He either wrote about the occult, or he wrote spy novels, or he wrote spy novels about the occult. Which is what The Devil, <laughs> the Devil Rides Out is. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but it was... James Bond versus the Goat of Bindi's. Yeah, so I... <laughs> <laughs> I believe you'll need this, 007. It's called the Dictionary Infernal. <laughs> <laughs> Try to bring it back in one piece, 007. <laughs> 007 versus King Pymon. <laughs> um, but, yeah, anyways, <laughs> maybe. Shouldn't get too bogged down in this, but it, it sounds like in both versions of this it's just such a what the fuck moment because it was just like they just told her pick up a book and just start reading it doesn't matter which one it is is it okay if it's like literally the weirdest fucking thing that it could because if she had just like gone to her the desk and pulled out like a copy of swank it would have been <laughs> less distracting <laughs> she just goes up to a gutenberg press <laughs> 
Uh, so she just she goes up and pulls out that uh, Brett Ratner thing, the, the book of asses. <laughs> book of asses. <laughs> she goes up to her father's desk and then pulls out the only existing copy of Cardinio in the original folio for her. <laughs> She, uh, she goes up to the desk and pulls out a copy of If I Did It. And you're like, this is not even going to be published for decades. <laughs> what is this? This is a prophetic movie. She goes, she goes up to her father, her grandfather's desk and gets a copy of my bookie book. <laughs> and she just reads and goes, this is not as funny as Jekyll and Hyde, I gotta say. <laughs> Uh, so, anyways, I think there's like a robot or something in this movie. Yeah, she she opens a copy of Mein Kampf, and, in, <laughs> and inside, there's one of the valiant Nintendo comics. <laughs> it's just the weirdest fucking thing in the world. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, I think, by the time we get to Mein Kampf, because all I can think of is like action comics number one, and it's just a layup at this point. <laughs> <laughs> She goes up and opens a, opens a copy of Zap Comics. <laughs> <laughs> she goes up and opens a copy of Tales Designed to Thrizzle. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I could literally do this all day. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, anyways, uh,. She is eventually ambushed. I think there's there's like another weird thing where her brother spies on drill mutants, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's zooming like planting a bomb. Yeah, yeah. So he gets tied up and big in, bundle of dynamite. Yeah, so it's yeah, like I said, it's, it's a bomb. It's a big bundle of dynamite with a fuse coming out of it. Yeah. What else is a bomb gonna look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little timer and everything. <laughs> <laughs> this is the kind of Mickey Mouse operation. <laughs> What's it supposed to look like? A black bowling ball with a little fuse coming out? That says Bombski on it? Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> uh, had to be my Boris Bafnov. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what to, like, it's very clear. Two pointy-faced guys, one wearing a black trench coat and one wearing a white trench coat, <laughs> go in and plan to stick a dynamite in there. Yeah. Um, but anyways, then they get tied up. Inframan shows up at the right second. Oh, in, in his Raymaw form. Mm-hmm. And it's like counting down. So he does the Inframan transformation, which now is as good a time as any to talk about that. Yeah. Because whenever... You, you know how these things work. It, it's... And this is this is not just like a, like Asian properties. It's like I have the power of Grayskull. Yeah. It's the gimme moment. It's like, okay, let's reuse some film. Let's get a transformation sequence in here. How does he actually turn from human to infra-Chinese supergoon? Well, oh god, what is it? Like, he, they do, like, the Xanadu coloring. Yeah. First of all, he, he's in uh, he's in a, a unicolored set. So the, yeah. way, the way that a lot of uh, martial arts films began in an undecorated set, yeah. it's almost like a, like a, a dummy show before a play. Mm-hmm. He cuts to one of those, it's just, like, solid blue. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Xanadu lighting. Then he does a backflip, or between one to seven backflips. Mm-hmm. And then he goes from the backflip into Superman posture. Yeah. Even if he's not flying anywhere. Yeah. So, is this like, if he's doing this in like a broom closet? 
Does he not have reproducers as like feet? <laughs> <to come? laughs> yeah. It's like bowling ball hands on his head. Damn it. So, yeah, exactly. Then he's like, I've got to figure out a technique. Like, all my powers are unbeatable. I've got to figure out a technique where I can transform in more confined spaces. And I think I know just the man to help. Cut to Hong Kong Fooey. Picks up the phone. <laughs> Shows him from that how to dive into a filing cabinet and then come out the bottom of the filing cabinet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like Dana Gold, I don't think I've made a reference later than 1992 this entire episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice reference to Dana Gold. <laughs> Guys, let's talk about uh, Starsky and Hodge. <laughs> let's talk about Planet of the Apes. One of the, no, not the real one, but like one of the four sequels. Let's yeah. talk about the Planet of the Apes TV series. Yeah, we're just two James, James Gunzes like talking about 70s bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> you see Carol Burnett last night? <laughs> yeah. So anyways, so he does the transformation, which, uh, I think, uh, like a walking two feet forward, um, removing the fuse from the ball might have worked <laughs> as well, but by all means, take your, <laughs> yeah, uh, go ahead and do your transformation sequence, which takes roughly as long as, like, a mid-catalog Roy Orbison trap. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but he manages to get it and throw it out into the air with about a second to spare. Not to be thwarted, though, Drill Mutants sneaks back in, and they kidnap. And by the way, I did look it up. Um, so it's Professor Lowe. The young woman is uh, uh, Mei Mei, the professor's daughter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and apparently Lou is the family name, so it's Liu Yingdei, and she's Liu Mei Mei. And then uh, we don't have to worry about the kids, but there's a little brother and a little sister. Yeah. yeah. So I believe it's uh, the daughter and the granddaughter are kidnapped. Mm -hmm. And then that's used as a, like leverage against uh, the professor. Yeah. So uh, where do we go from there? There's no place to go but taking a groovy boat trip to Mount Devil. <laughs> okay, a couple things about Mount Devil. First of all, it's not that much of a mountain. Uh, it's more of like Spider Skull Island in a lot of ways. Yeah. And uh, this was not my first time watching this, but I was like enjoying it. Uh, I was texting with a good friend of mine, and I told her, like, this movie is so, so much fun. And she's like, how would you describe it? And I was telling her, like, well, and she's into MST, so I said it's kind of like, it's what that new season's based on, like the visuals, and it's like Ultraman if they were all 5'9". <laughs> <laughs> and like just I was like uh, how do I explain this like maybe it's better seen than described and so as I'm texting her they have this scene of the monsters taking Professor Lang to Mount Devil yeah and any other movie would be like oh Princess Dragon Mom has like a like a laser or there's like some sort of teleportation or a spell it's like or I'll do you one better they chartered a speedboat <laughs> yeah so it's just, it's like a nice little, like, something you'd cruise around the Bay Area in that you rent for an hour. And it's just a close-up of fucking Clayface Drill Mutant chilling on one side of the boat. <laughs> then a Bone Thug with huge horns chilling on the other side of the boat. I think he's the one actually driving or steering. Yeah. And then clutching his patent papers in the middle is... <laughs> Professor Lang looking rather nonplussed, like, 
you know, the meat and this Indian sandwich. <laughs> yes. It, it, it's, it's less like terror, like, oh my God, like, what hellish new scenario are you taking me to? It's just like, you guys want to lose some weight? <laughs> we have to sit three abreast. Jesus Christ. This is Hong Kong, okay? It's, it's kind of human. <laughs> so, anyways. And so I just, I just paused it there, and it's, it's like this shit in Danger 5 when, like, the skeleton and the snowman will peer around the corner for no reason, <laughs> yeah. right? It's just, like, a monster, a guy, and a different kind of monster operating a speedboat together. <laughs> and it does I think it might have, like, a dragon on the hood or something to look cool, but... They did not waste time, like, oh, well, the, the speedboat will be part of the toy line, so we'll have, like, bat wings, it'll be, like, a cool midnight black. Mm -hmm. I think it's, like, powder blue. It's red oh, and white, which oh, are, like, the, the most medical, bland colors you could combine. Oh, my bad. It's a tribute to Inframan, though. Yeah. So they get to uh, Devil Island, which is just uh, fucking Skull Mountain. Yeah. It's just, it's just like, a... And I guess, going back to it, are these meant to be, like, the skeletons of dinosaurs? Yeah, I think so. Because if, if these are, like, evolved dinos, then is the implication, like, these were the old species. Yeah. It basically just means that there's a bunch of, like, building-sized skeletons that they can, like, you know, the, the skull leads into the caverns, and you can, yeah. like, have fights on the back of the, the mm. rib cages. <coughs> but they take him inside, and, uh... They show him what's in store for his, his loved ones if he doesn't comply. What is in store for his loved ones? They will be dropped into the center of the earth where they will die instantly. Yeah. It's literal hell mouth. Yeah. It's just a thing. It opens and you drop and they... I believe they demonstrate this on Zooming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, well, the clock is ticking, but who arrives at just the right time? Inframan. He arrives, and what we are treated to is <coughs> essentially the climax of the film. It is a solid, would you go 20 minutes? I'd say between him getting to the island and taking them down, uh, <coughs> it's not a long movie. I would say at least 15, though. Yeah, at least 15. Yeah, it, I wouldn't call it an unbroken fight scene, but it is... It's like a solid, like, action movie third act. Like, the, okay, like, everybody get back in your seats. Get back from your whiz break. Yeah. Get back from filling up that popcorn. Like, it, it's from here to eternity from this point. Yeah. It is a solid 15 minutes of Inframan's trip from the outside to the very inside. And it is... Not unlike Dr. Wiley. Yeah. It is essentially nothing but jumping... Punching, fire, and explosions. It's like that. It's like the Patton Oswald bit where he said, everything is wet and gay and on fire. <laughs> and so this, uh, he encounters. Yeah, the, by the way, the water is explosive. When characters land in the water, they explode. So yeah. They decide, uh, hey, like, we haven't really been able to take them out one by one, so why don't we send two monsters? So, <coughs> before he can even get down to the base, he has to fight off drill mutants, and then, uh, this guy's been hanging around, but we haven't really seen him yet, uh, fire dragon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what's, nice. what's his deal? He's a fire dragon, nice, <laughs> Okay, uh, nicely done. Well, I'm, I'm setting things up. 
And he's got a nice little red mustache. Mm-hmm. And uh, he breathes fire. There's uh, he there's there's very little actually going on with him. He's good dancer, can breathe a jet of can breathe a small jet of fire. That's essentially all we got. Yeah, like what they used to call like a song <coughs> of flame. Yeah. So it's just which because basically everything in this movie can like shoot stuff or catch on fire at some point. But his whole deal is just like, well, wait till you see what I can do. It's mm-hmm. just a little stream of what might be real fire knowing this movie. Oh, he can also turn invisible. But, uh, oh, yeah. But, yeah. <coughs> oh, uh, that would only be a problem. Uh, man, if only uh, Super Inframan had uh, invisible x-ray vision. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. So he takes him out. Uh, at this point, Queen Dragon Mom, she's discovered the secret of Inframan. Yeah. She got his infra plans. Yeah. And it turns out he harnesses the power of sunlight. Which was, this was never brought up before. Yeah, this is not really an Never issue ever. Why is that the go-to thing with superheroes, by the way? I think not to not to like go up my own ass with like Joseph Campbell. I think it goes back Joseph to Joseph Campbell's in your ass. <laughs> I think it goes back to like the heroes before heroes, how a lot of these heroes, a lot of these heroic characters were like sun deities. That's, if we're really reaching for it, I guess that's probably true. You know, the, the bad guys tend to be the underworld gods and the good guys tended to be the sky gods. I was, it, maybe in more limited terms, I was just thinking like, Superman gets his powers from the sun. Yeah. Birdman gets his powers from the sun. Does Space Ghost or... What's his, what's his actual deal? Space... I, for, I forget. I think it's actually the night that he gets his powers Really? From. Okay. It's something like that. Something to do with his ghostiness. Yeah, and I think even... I think there's even a couple characters like Havoc <laughs> from the X-Men. He, like, stores solar energy. Yeah. So, I... It doesn't matter. I just remember, like, a comic where, like, they blot out the sun so he doesn't have powers at some mm-hmm. point. Uh... But yeah, Inframan, so that's her plan. She releases a cloud of smoke. She'll block out the sun and rob him of his powers. Uh, does that just not work? Like, <laughs> Straight up doesn't work. Yeah. And uh, I, I would not uh, change a thing about this movie, but it is interesting how at no point does Inframan really face any sort of challenge that he can't overcome. Yeah. And you would think, uh, I'm glad that they just get to the fights instead, but... A normal movie, uh, a weaker man's movie, mm-hmm. might throw in subplots where it's like, oh, Zooming like crept into the lab and planted like a, a chip in his system. So mm-hmm. like Inframan's like has to fight down the urge to like kill people instead. Yeah. Like there he can't control his body, and like that would be like a ten minute plot cul-de-sac. Mm-hmm. Or like Inframan like faces a crisis of conscience, like he can't do the transformation. So he has to battle, he has to show that, like, even as a Raymond, he can, like, stand up to these guys. Mm-hmm. So he's worthy of the powers. Like, that. Yeah. There is really no point where, like, he has to rise to a challenge. Yeah. Instead, it's just like, ha, oh, like, I'm the fire monster. See how you deal with my fire. See how you deal with my lethal kick. Mm-hmm. And then he jumps up, he does his, like, Johnny Cage kick, or his uh, Liu Kang kick. Yeah. So he does a backflip, then jumps straight at you. Feet first while his feet shoot sparks. Yeah. 
Uh, in my translation, the copy I got, it was called The Lethal Kick. Uh, accurately named. Yes. There's one or two times he misses. I do not think there's a, a point in the movie where he connects with a lethal kick and somebody does not die as a result. They straight up fucking die so yeah. bad. And it's, one of those, and it's not like, oh, like I, I can only use the lethal kick once a day because it uses too much power. Like the Iron Fist. Yeah, at no point is it implicated or is it implied like, oh, I like, like save this for the last battle. Instead, it's like, why doesn't he just start with the lethal fist? Yeah. It's like, the Harry Potter rules. Like, why don't they just get the stupid little gold thing first? <laughs> and then alienate their audience. <laughs> um, but anyway. Uh, speaking of aliens, uh, I know uh, Witch Eye, or I, I prefer Witch Eye. She demons Witch in eye. general. Yeah. Witch Eye, she, she earns her paycheck. She like, does. she is jumping around doing everything to kill Inframan. Uh, she's really cool. Um, she, it's, it's interesting because the very first time we saw this was way back at our local Alamo Draft House. That's right. And oh, that was awesome. There's, it's interesting because there's a scene where he uses his laser blades on her and cuts off her uh, witch hand hands, yeah. and then she falls into the hellmouth, and she hadn't really used her hands that much before in the movie. I honestly thought the actress was like an amputee or something. What really? Beginning like when when I was watching it initially. Because the cut is so smooth, and there's, like... It, it's just done in a way where it's, like, that looks like you don't have hands. It, well, it's, it, it was very it was a very interesting effect for me to see. Like, however they did it, it was awesome, because, like, the actress has hands. Like, oh. Okay. I, uh... They... She has, like, the big monster hands, and the thing is, she can't really do anything. Yeah. Them. She could just go, like, oh, pshaw. Yeah. But in order to have, like, the long nails and, like, the eye embedded in the the pong, they essentially have to be set pieces. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, she just has, like, her nails did sort of thing. Um, she can fire laser blasts out of the eyes. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting. She is the only other uh, woman in uh, Queen Dragon Mob's operation. Mm-hmm. So, everybody, are they, like, shooting the shit about the guys as soon as they're the only ones left at Devil Mountain? I assume so. Or is it the other thing where, like, they kind of resent each other? Like, women can't be friends, that old stereotype? I like to think it's the first one. Yeah, I, I get that vibe. Uh, I also, like, who knows what goes on. I, I don't think this movie ever married, like, a making-of thing. Yeah. But you, you do wonder if, like, the two actresses kind of ever bonded over, like, hey, isn't it funny how we're both, like... Kind of monsters, but at least our heads get to be uncovered. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's this movie's thing. weird, right? It's not just me. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, gosh. Uh, so yeah, just a bunch of... It, it, it's that great thing of, like, female actors dressed like drag queens is essentially the aesthetic of, like, the monster design <laughs> yeah. for Dragon Ball and Witch Eye. But yeah, he slices her hands off. It's just... It's just ghoulish. Yeah, just like total like Titus Andronicus. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, should I let her bleed out? No, better drop her in the hell mouth. 
Which, let's let's be frank, she would just disintegrate like, like several hundred miles before yeah. she actually got to the center yeah. of, the, of the Earth. It's like... Also, correct me if I'm wrong, don't they at one point throw Inframan into the Hellmouth, but he just flies back down? <laughs> yes. You gotta do what you can do that, right? <laughs> I'll be safe on this side of the room because he likes projectile attacks. Um, yeah, I, uh, in my notes it says Inframan gets captured and survives immediately. That's my description of that scene. But anyways, there's a showdown. He's taking care of Fire Dragon. He's taking care of uh, Drill Mutant. Godspeed, Drill Mutant. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> he's taking care of a Witch Eye at this point. Oh, they, they freeze him at one point. Yes, which brings me to such a wonderful line. Yeah. It's a voiceover memory, I think, from uh, the professor. And he says... If you ever find yourself frozen in liquid ice, you can use your fire darts. It, 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 it's honestly one of those moments of... Dr. Evil, remember when we froze your seam in a case sure. of never coming back? It's one of the... Like, hey, remember the... Like, <laughs> yeah, and like, I, I, I know I quote Simpsons too much in general, and like especially today, I'm probably <laughs> at my quota. Mm-hmm. But legit, when he's frozen solid, the first time he's ever like been like even briefly bested during a fight... Mm-hmm. He's frozen in, like, liquid nitrogen, whatever, and the professor goes, Hey, if you're ever stuck in liquid nitrogen, it, it is literally the exact same thing as, Oh, what did Dad tell me on my wedding day? Homer, if you ever find yourself traveling through time. <laughs> it's just Inframan, like, oh, I remember the professor saying something about this, and then, like, the memory gnome from Tigtone appears. <laughs> yeah. Remember, Inframan, you can set yourself on fire. <laughs> and so he immediately thaws out, and uh, he fights the last two of Queen Dragonmon's the monsters. The Spikeball Brothers. The Spikeball Brothers. We're the Spikeball Brothers. And we're here. <laughs> uh, what can you tell me about these guys? Um, they're metal. Um, <laughs> As hell. Yeah. They're sp- they have spike balls. Uh, they have spike balls for heads and hands. Uh, it and they have springs on yeah, both so like, their necks and their wrists. So it's just them bouncing around. Oh yeah, it's it's essentially it looks like a kid just like stretching out the like spring loaded toys that he has. Yeah, like just until they literally get tangled. He has to go to his mom. Because, like, that's, that's what happens. That's how he beats them. That's how he beats them. He tangles them up. Yeah, he gets, he gets, like, catches a spike, I think the heads, mm-hmm. under each arm. Like, he was carrying, like, two kegs. Yeah. And he just does a series of, like, cool internal flips and, mm-hmm. like, rotations. So they're all twisted up. And then there's so much tension that they shoot back and break. So, yeah, I think we remember that. You either, you played with the thing so much that they either got tangled or... The whatever the weapon was would break off, so you just have like the eye removing spike of the spring, <laughs> yeah, just jutting out into open space. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I keep joking, I keep saying it reminds me of this toy, it reminds me of this toy. This is a toy movie, yeah. like it's so clear that each of the you could tell, like, if there was a toy line, what each of their powers would be, so like. 
The plant monster would be like your Gwinja from uh, Saturday Morning All Star Heads. Yeah. You put water in it and it just creates like a shitty block of ice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like, uh, I think it was uh, 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 Bob, uh, Bob Mackey described that as uh, those toys that you had to ruin to get them to work properly. Yeah. Anything. It's like, fill them up with water. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, his thing would be you, you like fill him up with the water and he has like a spongy torso and then it shoots out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. The spring guys would obviously just be spring loaded. Yeah. Uh, Inframan's the one where they would sell like eight different versions of him to fleece you. So it's like this one does the the wrist cutters, this one does the lethal kick. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we can piece of the uh, flame monster would just like you'd like slide a knob up his back and it would it would come out like a slot in his mouth. Yeah. Or maybe like Zerod, it would just shoot sparks. Yeah, the cool 80s uh, yeah. toys that shot sparks. <laughs> uh, uh, the cool 80s toys that shot house sparks. <laughs> the cool uh, 90s music video directors that shot Bubba Sparks. By the way, I saw what Hal Sparks looked like now. And really? Nothing against him. Like, I liked him on the VH1 shows, and, you know, he's done good work. Like, I liked him in Spidey 2. But, uh, this house sparks does good work. He he's the Hulk now. Oh okay. He's he's just like he just he got super jacked, has like long caveman hair, <laughs> and somehow his eyebrows got bushier. So it's just <laughs> so, so somehow somehow Kumail Nanjani's jawline changed. <laughs> somehow, possibly through some sort of spell, he has acne and mood swings now. <laughs> Uh, I look. I don't know Kamal. I don't know how Sparks. I wish them both well. Uh, but anyways, he makes short work of them, and then it's the final showdown with Queen Dragon Mom. Now you face my true form. <laughs> yeah, flippity floppity dragon. Yeah, which this, this felt like some video game shit. This felt like some Legend of Zelda shit because he keeps beheading her. Yeah, and since she's a, she, like she wouldn't be a reptile since she's. A dinosaur, she'd be a bird, but like, let's go with reptile. Yeah. She keeps uh, growing new heads, and he keeps chopping them off. Yeah, it's <laughs> it is it is very much like the dragon, where like you cut the head off and then it flies around the chamber, like shooting at you. Yeah, shooting at uh, uh, Zelda, the, mm-hmm. the boy from the games. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I took it to be just it's only one head instead of two, but like a Hydra thing. Like, mm-hmm. you had me, I'll just grow a new one. But it's a riot because, like, the heads just kind of sit there. They don't grow a new Princess Dragon yeah, Mom. They're not bleeding out, so it's just like, shit, like, oh shit, I kept dropping the headpiece. Yeah. She never attacks him, so it's just this fucking pterodactyl lady standing there, and then, like, six or seven used heads <laughs> yeah. that she's gonna give to Goodwill tomorrow. <laughs> like, but then, like, she's moving out of, like, Devil Mountain and there's a cardboard box that just says head shit on it. <laughs> and so... She's, she's just like TV's Frank. She has a box full of heads. Yes! <laughs> hey, those are my old heads. Uh, okay, and speaking of MST, as we so rarely do, but uh, I know one of your... One of mine, certainly one of your favorite jokes, is from the uh, A Case of Spring Fever. Yeah. When the guy, like, doesn't understand that springs don't exist, so he keeps trying to close his glove compartment. Yeah. It's like, dunk, 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 dunk. And Crow goes, 
Okay, now do it eight more times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had that moment where, like, like Inframan, like, beheads her, and the head rolls on. It's like, oh, shit. And, like, he tries it again just on reflex. It's like, what? What am I dealing with here? And like he tries it a third time while he tries to think of a plan, but instead it's just like zap, 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 <laughs> yes, zap. And I'm like, did 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 the did the film break? Yeah, <laughs> like it's like the gremlins come out and start doing hand <laughs> <Yeah>. puppets. <laughs> uh, but how does he eventually take her out? An explosion, I believe. Does, does he do the lethal kick? I think he does it, the lethal kick. Is it like his ultimate attack or something? I think he does the lethal kick. Because I, I know he got an upgrade with like a a particular laser attack. So. Yeah, he got the Thunderball Fist. Which, so no, it's, it's the Thunderball Fist killer. The, thunder, the Thunderball Fist is like the up. That, that is his like one and done thing. Okay. So, um... So yeah, he uses uh, the Thunderball Fist, and he, he can actually do it with, like, each hand, mm-hmm. like, because it's two fists. So uh, one of them is the Tom Jones version of Thunderball, <laughs> and then the other one, his wrist starts playing the unproduced Johnny Cash version of Thunderball, <laughs> the James Bond ballad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know what he the, strikes like Thunderball. Yeah, are you, you've heard the Johnny Cash version? I haven't actually. Yeah, I've, oh, I've heard it's weird as shit, though. It is weird. It's it's one of those things. Like, picture what it would be like if Johnny Cash wrote a James Bond theme. Yeah. Okay, that's what uh, Johnny Cash is James Bond theme. So, like, it, it's it's one of those things. that's hilarious because of that. Because you're like, I gotta hear this, and then you hear it, and you go, Yeah, that's about what I was imagining. Uh, so it's just like this ballad about like. You know, uh, through danger, through his courage, he has not been known to fall. He's the one man who can defeat the mighty Thunderball. It, it's a Johnny Cash ass song. It's, it's like that one thing that people just discovered from, like, I think 2000. It's a Folgers commercial starring Paul Stanley. <laughs> and it's, it's so fucking weird where it's like, the best part of waking up is for the day I come. It's, it's, it's genuine, like, <laughs> but at the same time, you're like, if you said, like, hey, do an improv, like, do, for, like, improv, do Paul Stanley singing the Folgers, you would just do it. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you nailed it. <laughs> and, and, and he's in, like, a circus. Like, that's the theme of the commercial. It's like. Isn't he? Is that like his deal? Yeah, the the psycho circus. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a psycho circus. Welcome to the show. Um, Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. But yeah, if you haven't seen that on YouTube, go to your type in like Paul Stanley Folgers commercial. It's uh, insane. Then when you're done, go ahead and check out the Brian Cranston uh, video game commercial. <laughs> yeah. And when you're done with that, the Brian Cranston Cranston <laughs> the Brian Cranston hemorrhoid commercial. <laughs> As a cyborg, I lack an anus, but I've told your species suffers from this ailment. Um, anyways, I'm fucking five years old over here. So, do cyborgs have buttholes? I think some do. Okay, and like if that's why they're cyborgs, so that was like the design? Either that or like that's not the, that's like the biological part of them. Fair enough. Did the the uh, 
the Spike Ball brothers in this. Uh, do you think they had buttholes? Um, I don't. I think that, <laughs> I think that, like, cyborgs, I think that robots of a lot of different kind would have buttholes, like replicants would have buttholes. Well, we know Bender does. Yeah, Bender yeah. has a, Bender has a butthole, I think definitely replicants would. Okay. Uh, Inframab, uh, yeah. he manages to do the, uh, the Thunderball attack, uh, Oh, and that, that's the only thing I love about the Johnny Cash Thunderball is that the lyrics actually make more sense than the Tom Jones yeah, like, version. What is striking like Thunderball? What you, know, you know, we've all been out and uh, a Thunderball hit us. <laughs> Wait, don't, don't get under that tree. A Thunderball might hit us. That's how, <laughs> you, you know, you know, Thunder? You, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know a lightning bolt? Yeah. So Thunder, the sound... Yep. This has no tangible property. Travels in ball form, it turns out. <laughs> it's like a cool title. It's a good name for, like, a nuke. Yeah. As soon as he says, like, he strikes like Thunderball. That metaphor we're all familiar with. Um, uh, you know, before uh, Shakespeare, the word Thunderball did not appear in the English language. I always loved how the technical name is Disco Violante. Well, that, no, that's the name of the boat, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's Largo's boat, the Disco Violante, the Flying Saucer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Inframath. Inframath. Yeah, if it sounds like we're stalling at this point, it's because the movie's basically over. Yeah. Like, when I say it's over, this shit's over. <laughs> yeah, within, within a minute, you will see the ending. There is there is nothing to be cleaned up. There is we do, we do not get like poor Zuming. He didn't deserve that fate. We don't get Inframan like I knew I had it. The power was in me all along. Yeah. We don't get the professor doing like the oh like this is a lesson to mankind like not to study too deeply because uh, you know who, who knows we should not pepper God's low main. Yeah. Like uh, no, just just like Queen Dragon Bomb's done. Cut to them in a boat. Yeah, just zooming off. Well, nice enough to leave this boat here. <laughs> I would have loved if all the boats got wrecked and they, everyone just had to get back in this very poorly built catamaran. <laughs> like it was just a terrible trip back to the mainland. So, so it's just, no, they're all on like they're just all on a just a flat raft, and then Inframan has to swim and pull them with his teeth. <clears throat> He's like really like. Rats, Last time I saved you. If you guys, you guys shut up. You're we're switching halfway. That yeah, that is. I know you know what it's from, but it's, it's the old Marvel comics for our three listeners. Yeah, there's a the old Marvel comic uh, What the where they would make fun of. You know? <laughs> yeah, and it would, dude, it was like really hit or miss because like you'd have like. Five stories would just be like the Black Man, mm-hmm. or like Magnano, and but then like every like one out of every ten would be like that shit was actually really funny. Yeah, like uh, and so one that always killed me. It's they're playing on like Captain America getting thought out, and he and Submariner are like the only World War Two heroes. Yeah, and it's it is a legitimately funny panel because it ends with they're escaping a desert island. 
uh, Cap is riding on Namor's back, like at the end of Cabin Boy. <laughs> yeah. And he's just like, this is a lot of fun. And the last line is Namor going, don't get comfortable, we're changing places halfway. <laughs> Which sounds legit like something Namor would say. And, was, and completely mean it. And those are the, it's like how the best Ben Grimm thing parodies are indistinguishable <laughs> from his actual dialogue. So, like, yeah, that was, uh, that was, like, that, that has stuck with me for, like, 30 years. It's like, that was actually pretty fucking funny. It was a good button for a little comic And at the end, we see the credits, and it says, another Shaw Brothers production. And just, just the, just the, oh, fucking hell. Another Shaw Brothers production. Come on, guys, we're going to the bar, drinks on me. Like, you got this shit in the can, let's do this. Like, yeah. Let's party. We work hard, we play hard. And I, I know what you mean, and like, it, it's not it's not that weird. It's it's like how like every you know, Marvel comic in the 60s was like, another Marvel epic brought yeah. to you. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't mind that hucksterism, like, you know, a, another terrific Warner Brothers movie. A great cast deserves a second mention. Get out here. Yeah. Like, I, so, that part's not that weird. Even up until, like, 1975, you'd still see credits like that. Mm-hmm. But that became, in, like, every Shaw Brothers movie, it's, they, they yeah. always end like that. Like, the rather abrupt endings, there's no end credits, because they always have the ordinate opening credits. Yeah. So it's just, like, freeze frame, and then, yeah. like... A copyright in Dissia and another Shaw Brothers, another uh, Shaw film, another Shaw Brothers picture. And I know exactly what you mean. Anybody else, because you can't go like, uh, well, uh, there you have it, another Transformers movie. Fuck you. <laughs> Leave me alone. Yeah. But with Shaw Brothers, it's it, just like the kind of hands on hips. Like, <laughs> well, there you guys go. Another Shaw Brothers production. Like and you're I, riding out of town on yeah, your horse. Just like, well, we'll see you folks again in uh, judging by the way we make these things about seven weeks. <laughs> yeah, we gotta, we're just gonna mosey along, gotta hit the old dusty trail. We got uh, four Venom Mob movies to complete this summer. Another, but we're back here before you know it. You take care of the place. Run, run, Shaw takes off his, uh, Cowboy director's hat and puts on like a small child's hat. I guess. Better watch my back. There's a new sheriff in town. The town of Hong Kong. He puts on the little girl's head. This is better than being in for girl. Yeah. Well, we gotta hit that old dusty trail. There's like blazing saddles. They ride the horses for like three feet to get off frame. Then they get on a junk and sail out of the Hong Kong bay. <laughs> But no, like, they are the only ones who can get away with that. <laughs> yeah. And I remember, indulge me for a sec, I know we're wrapping it up, but, like, Morbius was a death slog. I feel bad about the Morbius episode. Yeah. Like, I look I look back and I'm like, that wasn't even fun to listen to. That was just me sighing for an hour <laughs> and a half. This is a celebration of film, mm-hmm. of life, of the continent of Asia. God bless everyone of God's creatures, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> that diagrams, right? God bless everyone of God's creatures. But anyways, uh, you know how Quentin Tarantino does the thing where it's like, uh, Kill Bill, the fourth film from Quentin Tarantino, and, uh, Django, 
Unchained, the seventh film from Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. And I know some people would, like, roll their eyes at that. I remember, like, Stephen King going, he, he even said, like, oh, the fourth film from Quentin Tarantino. Well, la-dee-da. And apparently, because, like, Quentin likes guys like Stephen King. Yeah. Like, oh, like, I hope he liked the movie. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but but it, it's like, oh, it's like Quentin kind of full of himself, like, well, yeah, Quentin is, like, as full of himself as any human being currently living on the planet, including, like, dictators. Yeah. It's Quentin fucking Tarantino, though. Like, when Quentin Tarantino shows up and goes, like, hey, uh, is everybody's dicks hard? Okay, I think you're going to enjoy this one. And, like, four hours later, I come out of the theater, I'm like, God damn it, I did enjoy that one. <laughs> yeah. I can't... This better be the best fucking movie ever. You got yeah. lucky. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you got lucky nine times in a row. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, long story short, to come back to, you know, Quentin's heroes here, like, with the Shaw Brothers movie, if they just ended the, like, the movies with, like, a Shaw Brothers production, you're welcome. <laughs> and, like, it was, like, somehow written, like, the font suggested that, like, <laughs> You have to read it in that tone of voice. You will kill. Like it was like a snotty looking little guy, in like a, <laughs> like a cartoon. Like it came out of his mouth like a <laughs> word bubble. Yeah. Even if like if every shot of this movie ended with "You're welcome," I'd go like, "Thank you." <laughs> yeah. Like no, I deserve that. Like thank you, thank you very much for the movie. I have because I've never finished a Shaw Brothers movie and went like. What? There's 90 minutes. I'm never going to get back. I've never finished a Shaw Brothers movie and went, well, that one sucked. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, I've seen 38 Shaw Brothers movies and I've loved 39 of them. <laughs> it, it honestly feels like a dude that just absolutely crushed it in bed. Yeah. And just when he's done, just. Gets up, doesn't say a damn thing, walks over to the fridge, gets a, a Gatorade, chucks the whole thing, <laughs> just throws it into the garbage. And, like, that's, that's what it feels like. It just, yeah. There. <laughs> Do you smoke in for that? I've never checked. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. The, the Shaw Brothers Oove, like, Shaw Brothers Enterprises, the studio. Yeah. If a movie studio could do the Burt Reynolds on the rug pose, <laughs> yeah. like, that's them. Like, I I do not think there's ever been a studio, like, in either hemisphere, in the, the century and change that we've had film, I don't think there's been a studio that has had more swag than the shop. <laughs> Just mic drop. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, the, the biggest, like, Don Draper, big swinging dick of a movie studio, but it always ruined. Because even stuff that I like, I like Hammer movies, but even then, like half of those suck. <laughs> yeah. But Shaw Brothers is just like, uh, what, what, what are you working on there, Run May Shaw? Oh, nothing. Just a little film called Come Drink With Me. Oh, shit! <laughs> hey, uh, what, what are you working there? Oh, it's just something I've been messing around with. It's called The Kid with the Golden Arm. Oh, fuck! <laughs> Anyways, we stopped making uh, kung fu movies because it's the 80s. Oh, what are you going to do now? Produce Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like... <laughs> so, 
I don't even know that. For all I know, the Shaw brothers were like hooked up with drug cartels <laughs> in Hong Kong. Like, I have no fucking idea. So I hope they haven't been like retroactively me tooed or like they didn't yeah. be actors or some yeah. shit. But <laughs> God damn. And it's not them as the producers, not just them, it's everybody involved. This movie fucking rules. Yes. This, this, this is, is a so joyous cool. celebration of what mankind can do. Yeah, and it's goddamn. I like after I, you know, I wanted to like research it just briefly for the episode, and so I uh, did a quick Google search. It comes up, and it has a uh, a one hundred percent approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> you don't say. A, a score that I can only describe as accurate. <laughs> yeah, and also, do, do you know this? The only movie that ever had its score increased by Roger Ebert. I thought I thought I heard that somewhere. Yeah. I think you told me that. Because Roger Ebert, when it came out, he said that he enjoyed it a lot, and he gave it two and a half stars. Mm-hmm. Not raving, not bad by any means. And so years later, uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino put out The Mighty Peking Man through his Rolling Thunder imprint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Rolling Thunder. Thunderballs tend to roll because they're ball-shaped. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he put out the Mighty Peking Man, and uh, Ebert did like the video review, and he said, I'm reviewing the Mighty Peking Man, and I liked it a lot, and I was going to give it two and a half stars, but then I realized I'd given Inframan two and a half stars. He said, I don't remember why I gave it two and a half stars. A month hasn't gone by since 1975 where I haven't thought of that movie and smiled. <laughs> so he said, so here's the official ranking. Mighty Peking Man, two and a half stars. Inframan, I'm bumping you up. You're now a three-star movie. <laughs> and he says, and if anybody ever asks, did I ever go back and change the rating of a movie? This is the only time. I gave Inframan an extra half star. <laughs> that is neat. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, and this is... I'm not surprised Ebert dug this because it is... Just... What a, what a blast. Yeah. This is... What, this is what I wanted, like, destroy all monsters to be. Yeah. And I think that is it at the end of the day. Like, you know, there's no end of, like, tokusatsu stuff, like Ultraman and Power Rangers and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And the problem with those is that, like, the monsters are cool, but maybe the episodes get a little repetitive. Yeah. You know, if you've seen one Cayman Rider, do you need to watch the other 800? Mm-hmm. And then the problem with Godzilla movies, as much as I love them, you gotta, like, eat your greens before you get to yeah. the big green guy. You gotta have your humans before yeah. you get to Godzilla. Uh, with Inframan, it's just like, no, what if we just did, like, the best Ultraman thing ever, and it was just 85 minutes nonstop? Mm-hmm. And the only time you're not looking at a monster, somebody's planting a bomb, or, like, walking through a big lab with, yeah, you know, doodads on the walls. Um... Yeah, it, it is an absolute treat, and it makes me realize, again, when I was a kid, I didn't always have the patience for this stuff, but I would get, like, I never even bought anything, but they had catalogs of, like, hey, you want to order, like, a, a Bandai figure of Ultra 7? Yeah. It's imported from Japan. It only costs, uh, like, $130 with shipping, and that's two points of articulation. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, I was, like, I, you know, I couldn't afford that. I wouldn't have wanted it anyways, but I could dream and just see, like, 300 photos of, like, you know, Beetle Monster. 
yeah. cyborg monster. Yeah. Uh, Prince Satan. <laughs> Devil reverse monster. And so just looking through those and letting my head do the job of like, what would it be like if all these guys just met and fought? Mm-hmm. This is as close as a movie has ever gotten. <laughs> Yeah. To my notebook when I was nine. Yeah. Those are always the good movies. Yeah. Your notebook when you were nine. Yeah. And I hate to... That's that's not intellectual. And you could go like, oh, well, is that nostalgia? Is that like the guy watching Star Wars? Like, does, there's more to a movie than just like, would it make a good toy line? Right? Mm-hmm. And the, I kind of agree. And at the same time, I'm like... You know, Mad Max Fury Road is a good movie because... Uh, it addresses like women's issues and has environmentalism and is like a staggering achievement of craft. Mm-hmm. And it's also a good movie because when little kids see it, they put on uh, football shoulder pads and run around at each other and throw water balloons and fall out of trees. Yeah. yeah. So at, at my age, that's my only litmus test for is a movie any good. Could I picture two kids getting hurt emulating this in the backyard? Yeah. It's like, that's true of the Northman. It's true of Jackass. That's true of Super Inframat. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What do you think these monsters did after the movie? Where do you think they ended up? The monsters themselves? Or the, the monsters? Guys like, no, I know oh. what happened to the cast. That's common knowledge. What do you think the monsters did? Let's, let's wrap it up. Let's do a quick Animal House ending. <sighs> Okay, who, who are all the monsters? Okay, red uh, hair monster. Um, he got involved in a ice cream, much like Ben and Jerry. Okay, yeah, the he's they're both fun <laughs> hairy hippies who just jump around, and it it should be known that <laughs> Ben and Jerry famous for jumping around. <laughs> they go into board meetings, skipping like leprechauns. <laughs> it should be noticed that uh, hair monster is uh. Huge pothead. Oh, <laughs> that was known on set. That's what potheads are called these days, is potheads. Yeah. yeah. No, but... They're potheads. They're reefer. No, absolutely. Um, so he's a burnout. He's, he's just like... You know, like, when I filmed Super Inframan, we smoked the worst weed ever created. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you would love it. It's like 140th the, street, the strength that you can get off the street these days. <laughs> so... Okay, uh, what would uh, what would a uh, fire monster be up to? Uh, fire monster. Um... I have a theory. I think he's in a lot of legal hot water because he tried to orchestrate his own uh, uh, music show, a uh, fire festival. Yeah, but he wound up like drastically under planning, and now a whole bunch of people are counter suing him. Yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, that was a good one. Uh, what would the Ball Brothers be up to? <laughs> the Ball Brothers, um, they would be doing whatever the Barbarian Brothers are doing right now. Coke? Yeah. Okay. I would That that probably tracks, and these are not mutually exclusive. Uh, I think that the uh, Spike Ball Brothers created a, a new uh, social media platform called uh, No Facebook, uh, but it was stolen from them at the last second by a little twerp. Yeah. Who, ironically, unlike Mark Zuckerberg, has tons of facial features. That's what makes yeah. it ironic. Yeah. Um, okay, what would, uh, what would Plant Monster be up to? Plant Monster, um, happily married to Poison Ivy. Happily, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, is he is it like Swamp Thing and Abbey? He's just living in like a, a gigantic tulip somewhere in the bayou right now. I think so, yeah. And and I don't I don't even know if it would be a marriage. I think it would be more of like a Paul, Kurt, Kurt Russell Goldie Hawn thing. Oh right, they're like long term like, but like never yeah. officialized. Yeah. I was about to say uh they are a uh, poly couple though. Hmm. Poly is short in this case for Pollock. Yeah. And uh Drill Mutant. Uh, by the way, I do think that uh, Plant Monster could create the sex yam. Oh, the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's not that he could, it's that he did. Yeah. That's why all the monsters are in such a good mood. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, I feel like a million bucks. <laughs> well, we wiped out humanity today. Uh, you know, when you love life, life loves you back. <laughs> okay. What would a... <laughs> What would Drill Mutant be up to? Uh, Drill Mutant is... Uh, he's head of a big contracting firm. You think so? Yeah. See, okay, we're obviously going for, like, uh, B-tier puns and visual jokes here. You're mm-hmm. going with a... Like, his drill would make him, like, uh, work in construction. Yeah. Uh, I think he would be a successful drill rapper. Really? Yeah, yeah. he would be... Uh, he'd have his own SoundCloud. Yeah. Uh, just... Real violent shit, but, like, you can't get it out of your head. So, <laughs> what suits his personality? Mm-hmm. And then, finally, uh, uh, Dragon Mom is now a dragon stay-at-home mom. Yeah. She, but she's fine. Yeah. Like, it's it's a woman's choice to work or to stay mm-hmm. at home. She chose to stay at home. She wants to take care of her 17 heads. Uh, meanwhile, the Witch-Eye, the Stevie Nicks of her generation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh... So, anyways, uh, does that cover all of them? Let's really drill down. Let's do every bone creep while we're <laughs> at it. Uh, okay, uh, I think I'm done. I think we'll wrap up here, and then I'm going to go get a sheet of paper. Not a blank sheet of printer paper, but like a line sheet of college ruled paper. And then go draw some bone thugs on it and have them just facing directly towards you. Yeah. And it'll be like a Marvel Universe update where one of their hands is pointing towards you (laughs) and the other one's pointing away. Yes. So, okay. Well. We love you, Inframan. We love you, Inframan. We love all of you guys. Uh, This is a goddamn blast of an episode. I'm glad, so glad we did this for our 50th episode. Uh, that's Inferman, and that's all I have to say.